James Terrence and I had the opportunity to go to a conference called Together for the Gospel. And I remember going uh, to this conference for the first time years ago. Lauren and I were about to be married, moved to Louisville, and we were in a really uh, tough spot, rough spot regarding ministry. And so this, this conference over the years has had ten to 12,000 pastors who are focused on the gospel from around the world. And so the first time I went, I was like, there are this many people around the globe that care for the things I care about. And so where we were at to, to going there, it was really an encouragement for me for the first time. But going this time, it was very different. Not only uh, being able to go with James and have uh, good conversations, not only reflecting on the providence of God and uh, His care uh, in, in my life, of my family, but I was coming back to a people at North Hills who know the good news of Jesus is of first importance. We are a people who love the Word and love one another. And so if you are new to North Hills or visiting North Hills this morning, God's Word directs our lives and worship. Our fellowships, community groups, and things that come up in life continue to encourage us, but it's because we are bound together in the Gospel. We mourn together. We rejoice together. And every Lord's Day, every Sunday, we gather together. We open up God's Word together. And we desire to see Jesus together. So today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 37. So if you have a copy of God's Word, please feel free to turn there. It is located in the Old Testament after the book of Ezekiel. And if you do not have a Bible, there should be one on the back of the pew in front of you. Let's pray together before we dive into God's Word. Our Lord of Heaven, we thank You for this ability to gather this morning for worship. We do not sing our own praises, but we exist to glorify You. Lord, across the globe on this day, there are pastors who will step into pulpits and preach Your glorious Gospel. And Lord, we know that the Gospel will prevail. Father, may You continue to draw people to behold King Jesus. and Strengthen and equip Your people in Your Word this morning. May it be all for Your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, starting in verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the, the beast of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules 
the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate, like, ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle, eagle's feathers. And his, his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand. Or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me. And I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This is God's Word. Over the last few weeks, we have walked through uh, Daniel chapter 4. And up to this point, we have seen Nebuchadnezzar speak the truth of the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and then Daniel interprets the dream as John covered two weeks ago. In verse 25 of uh, chapter 4, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you, sh- and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. And so that leads uh, to our passage this morning, in which Daniel's interpretation has come to fruition. In this passage of Daniel, we see the glory of God on display in the humiliation and restoration of Nebuchadnezzar. And so our two points this morning, God's glory revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. God's glory revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. We'll look at verses 28 through 33. And the the second point is God's glory revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's restoration. God's glory revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's restoration. And we'll look at verses 34 through 37. But if you want to summarize this passage in light of the whole counsel of God's word, God is the true sovereign. If it is his will, he can put leaders in power and he can remove them. God is glorified in the just judgment of condemning sinners. And he is glorified in showing free, sovereign grace to those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. So to our first point this morning, God's glory revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. Looking at verses 28 through 33. Let's read those again. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, 
which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field and, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. So in verses uh, 28 through 33, our passage begins with a sudden act. Daniel finishes interpreting the dream in verse 27. And then the next words were, all this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. But it did not come immediately. It was 12 months since Daniel interpreted the dream. And this shows God's patience toward Nebuchadnezzar. He was patient in revealing his wrath upon Nebuchadnezzar. He could have done it at any time in which Daniel finished the interpretation. But this testifies of God's patience toward a rebellious people, and in this case, the further rebellion of Nebuchadnezzar. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, the Lord gives Moses new, new tablets of the Ten Commandments and pass before him proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is repeated in Psalm 103, verse 8, that testifies that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The phrase is used again in another psalm, Psalm 145, verse 8. And then in Nahum, chapter 1, verse 3, it says that the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So there is a theme throughout the Bible in which God is patient to reveal his wrath against sinners. Yet in this, in this time, Nebuchadnezzar, he's not repented. He is still trying to glorify himself. He did not repent of his boasting and pride. Instead, he, he doubled down. He walked upon his roof. He looked upon the city and he said, Is this not great Babylon? He built this grand place and he says, By my mighty power. Scholars say Babylon was a rectangular shaped city that had eight gates. The most famous gate was the Ishtar Gate, which was 40 feet high. Babylon had these hanging gardens, which the Greeks later called one of the seven wonders of the world. So this was, a, this was an amazing city to look upon. And so from his roof, Nebuchadnezzar saw the wonders of Babylon and he swelled with pride. He continued in, in thinking, look what I have done. It was built by my power and for my glory. In Genesis chapter 11, 
there was a people that gathered together to build a tower that reached toward the skies. In the life of Nebuchadnezzar, the arrogance of the Tower of Babel is revealed again in him. It is, is revealed his pride. Instead of humbling himself, he continued in pride. Nebuchadnezzar was taking credit for what God had given him. God is the one who delivered the Hebrews into the hands of Babylon in judgment. God is the one who appointed Daniel and the other three Hebrews in places of power in Babylon to display his good purposes. Whether that was by what they ate or being delivered from the fiery furnace. God is the one that appointed Nebuchadnezzar as ruler of Babylon. And the God of heaven, by his sovereign hand, can remove him if he wills. So as we continue on in this passage, looking at verses 31 through 33, we see the judgment of the Lord has, has come quickly. He had barely finished speaking. Nebuchadnezzar barely finished speaking, and the Lord's judgment fell upon him. This dream came to fruition. God has brought this about. God has made Nebuchadnezzar low. And Nebuchadnezzar will be driven away, as verse 32 says. So Nebuchadnezzar's immediate judgment is similar to that of Acts chapter 5 in the account of Ananias and Sapphira. Lying, them lying about what they had sold their land for and were immediately struck down by the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar's life is like a reflection of Romans chapter 1, of exchanging the glory of God for the, image of, the images of man, of birds, animals, and creeping things. We see the progression of sin. Sin and sinning does not and will never lead to the ways of holiness. Sin leads to more sin. Pride leads to more pride. Boasting in the flesh leads to more boasting in the flesh. Acceptance of the culture will lead to more acceptance of the culture. There's this thought in our country and other nations that we are better than we truly are. That we are progressively getting better or progressively improving. This is the culture of self-improvement around us. And one of the many dangers of this day for the Christian is to buy into that nonsense. That we need to make the gospel more palatable for people. Or we need to minimize the call to repentance and trust in Christ so that the culture accepts the gospel. If we change the good news of Jesus and fashion it into our image, then we have exchanged the glory of God in the gospel with the images of mortal man. Friends, there is no better news than the glory of God revealed in the cross of Christ. That Jesus, being truly God and truly man, died in the place of sinners. He hung from the tree. And we deserved to be on that tree. We look in the mirror and in our fallen nature, our sin blinds us to how bad our sin is. We minimize, we deflect, 
We, like Nebuchadnezzar, have seen the glory of God on display in many things and still come away with thinking we are, true, we are, we are better than we truly are. In our Bible Belt context, we can hear that we were or we are sinners so much that it becomes dull to our ears. We pass over it. We may agree and act as if we need to hear something else. Friends, in our sin, we were in hostility to the God of heaven. Psalm 5 says, Psalm 5 says that the Lord abhors all evildoers. The Lord abhors all evildoers. We cannot work hard enough to save. We can't do enough to save. Only God can save. Jesus Christ, the second person of our triune God, took on flesh, clothed Himself in humanity. There are not moments or seconds that go by that we do not sin. Yet Jesus was sinless. He's the only one who can pay the ransom for sinners. And only God can bear the propitious wrath of God against sin. God hates sinners because He's a holy God and He is a just God. So at the cross... At the cross, Jesus stood in the place of sinners. On the cross, He bore God's just wrath against sin because our sins were laid on Him. Isaiah 53, 5 says that He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him, upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. Every drop of blood that flowed from his body atones for his people the drops of blood cry she is mine he is mine 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 at the cross of christ king jesus has made the only way for salvation so that whoever believes in him Whoever places their faith, their trust in the Lord Jesus will be saved. And so the desire to minimize this news of the glory of of the cross of Christ and make it more acceptable for people is the very grounds of arrogance and boasting. We change the good news into our news. And then we wonder why some of the churches look like they do. With, with ministers pursuing worldly things. The good news that says there's a fountain filled with blood flowing from Emmanuel's veins has been replaced in some gatherings with the news of poison, of arrogance, of boasting, of self-reliance, that you are enough, that you are sufficient, that you deserve it. Friends, look at this case of Nebuchadnezzar he boasts he boasts and immediately the word of God was fulfilled he did not groom himself or trim his nails he went and turned to an animal the man who previously thought himself to be like a god 
was now living as an animal. And this is an account that Babylon wants to forget. But it, it shows us that God's word is sure, it is true, and he can, the Lord can put people in power and remove them instantly if he wishes. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, the Lord of glory will get the glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so the poison of pride that was seen in Babylon and in Nebuchadnezzar is still alive and well today. But beloved, those in Jesus draw from another stream. One that flows from the Savior's side. We know who we are. We need our King every second. We don't live for our own glory, but for the glory of God among the nations. So Nebuchadnezzar, he is he's brought low. But God is not done with this pagan ruler. And so our second point this morning, God's glory revealed, God's glory is revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's restoration. Let's read verses 34 through 37. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are are counted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, or say to him, What have you done? At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and my splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So by God humbling Nebuchadnezzar, he learned that his rule only came about because of the Most High God. As we see, or as we saw in in verse 3 of chapter 4, God's dominion is an everlasting dominion. And it's repeated again here, In verse 34. It is the Lord of all who humbles and has brought Nebuchadnezzar low. Nebuchadnezzar cannot even stand to challenge the Lord. He is brought to the place of being like an animal. There's not one ruler who currently walks the earth or one previously who can challenge the Lord's rule. The earth and all that is in it, belongs to the Lord. Verse 35 says that all the, inhabitants, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. This is not to say He does not care for creation made in His image. It is articulating that there is no challenge from them. The Lord's will 
is going to be carried out because He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And as we've seen repeatedly through the book of Daniel, we see again today the, the sovereignty of the Lord. The Lord is over all. Now what does the Lord's sovereignty mean? He is in complete control. The nations, leaders, peoples answer to Him. There is one throne. And He is on it. And it's not up for debate. He is seated. And so the sovereignty of God is a blessing to the believer. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. But after Nebuchadnezzar's return, he confesses the the sovereignty of the Lord. He He has confessed this with his words. But did the sovereignty of the Lord take hold in his heart? Does it for us? Whether it's losing our job or gaining one, losing family members, dealing with various illnesses or losing a beloved baby in the womb. Can we shout and say, God, do according to Your will. Your will be done. Do we pray similarly to Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, Your kingdom come and Your will be done. This is not to say that the loss of a loved one or a baby should not be grieved over. It's easy to rejoice and confess the sovereignty of God in seemingly easy times. It's the hard times, the hard sufferings of life in which we should rest in the sovereignty of God like a pillow. Lord, we don't know why. We don't know why, but we rest in You. We're able to rest in Him because He does not change as the wind blows or change like a tyrant ruler. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. And if the Lord did, we would be in a constant state of uncertainty. But in our joys and afflictions. The Lord is our refuge. Alcohol is not a refuge. Gambling is is not a refuge. Buying new things is not a refuge. Images on the internet is not a refuge. Movies and entertainment, they're not a refuge. Only the Lord is a refuge. Our lives and things in our lives may change. But our happiness, our joy, our rest, when we are weary, it comes from Him. Much of the, of the world around us tries to find joy from their situations in life. And there, there's a consistent need to, to keep up with others. But because of the sovereignty of the Lord and the care of His people, we are content in Him. We're content in Him. 
and in him we are happy and whole. And we're not going to boast in ourselves. We don't, we don't beat our chest and, and say, look at us. But we say, Lord, may your will be done. May your will be done. And so after Nebuchadnezzar declares these truths in verses 34 through 35, he's, he's restored to his reign. But Nebuchadnezzar in verse 36 alone, he uses the word my five times. He says my, mine, more than the seagulls in finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. But Nebuchadnezzar does end in verse 37 with an acknowledgement of the king of heaven. Look at the difference of verse 30 to verse 37. Let's read verse 30 and verse 37. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And then 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. In verse 30, he says, which I have built by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. And in verse 37, he acknowledges praise and honor of the King of heaven and God is worthy of praise. Nebuchadnezzar is not. It is the Lord who humbles Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse 37, the Lord is just in doing so. And so as we've seen throughout chapter 4 in this passage, did, did Nebuchadnezzar's word match his deed? He confesses truth, yet he still doesn't trust in God alone. He doesn't call for Babylon to abandon all false gods or false worship. The Most High God is over all. He will be exalted. There is no equal. He has no rival. To proclaim the excellencies of the Lord of heaven, there should be a denial of the false gods in Babylon. Confession with the lips should match the confession of the heart. Yet in our day, we see this too with cultural Christianity. Jesus is great, but is he really sufficient? When we come to Christ, he's not just our Savior, he is Lord. He is Lord. And he is sufficient for his people. So God is glorified in humbling Nebuchadnezzar and restoring him to a place of rule. Nebuchadnezzar is under the hand of the Lord, and the Most High God is the true Sovereign. The tyrants of our world will have their day. I'm going to repeat that again. The tyrants of our world will have their day when they meet the just God of heaven. And God's people, the church, 
exist to proclaim the gospel of God for His glory among our neighbors and the nations. And we rest in His sovereignty. We rest in His sovereign hand like a pillow. Beloved, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Our King of Heaven, continue to remind us that we do not boast in wealth or our might or our wisdom, but the people of God boast only, boast only in the cross of Christ. Continue to remind us of the truth that you are good and you are over all things. That no matter what the tides of life may bring, we can rest well in you. Continue to strengthen your people as you see fit. And may people continue to repent of their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus who is sufficient to save sinners. Lord, may your people at North Hills remain faithful. And Lord, may our testimonies, may our lives be testimonies of your grace in our community. May we hold fast to your word. And Lord, may you send us out as you see fit. All for your glory and for our good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing it.